This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. For more downloads, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. Good afternoon, everyone. We can uh, readily understand when we look at the events around us at uh, the moment how people worry about really what the future holds for them um, if there is any future at all for them because the world although things don't seem as evident the world is actually on a precipice really at the moment we've still got the Russian and the Ukraine problem that's not going away we've got the start of this um, war if you like with the IS the Islamic State um, in Syria the problems are still there in Syria, the civil war within, within that country as well. And Israel and Hamas are still there with an underlying current uh, where each of his throats once again. And yet also there's also an underlying current as well of, of financial instability which could really at any time trigger another global recession or even a financial uh, meltdown. So the world is, if you like, in a very precipitous state at the moment and one political move just one wrong political move could be the catalyst that could plunge the world into really a cataclysmic war and we as Bible students believe that the Middle East will be the focal point of this, these events and Bible prophesies that all nations will be drawn into uh, Jerusalem and this is of great interest to us the Christadelphians so it appears that there's actually little hope in the world especially if man has anything to do with it they claim that they want peace on earth but all the while they're always feathering their own nest and looking out for themselves their own political career or their own power base there have been many times like this in history but what we're looking at now and more earnestly is how the feelings of many people in the world are, are echoed by the words in the Gospel of Luke. If we just turn to uh, the Gospel of Luke in the New Testament and uh, chapter 21. And things come and things go but as we see events now there seems to be something happening week after week after week. <coughs> And things seem to be coming closer and closer together of problems. And as we said, the Middle East always seems to be this focal point. We've got Iran, we've got Iraq, we've got Syria, and we've got Israel. We've got all these things bubbling up there. And it says in Luke's Gospel, chapter 21 and verse 25, there will be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars. And really what that's saying is that there'll be signs in the political heavens, in the world around us. And there will be upon earth distress of nations. They'll have perplexity. The sea and the waves roaring. That speaks of the nations in turmoil. Then it says in verse 26. Men's hearts will fail them for fear. And for looking after these things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And I know many people who said to me. They said to me. Well you're a Bible student. And you understand the words of prophecy. These things are really fearful that are happening in the world. And we say, well, these things will have to come to pass to herald the return of the Lord uh, Jesus Christ. So how can we even begin to contemplate that there's any hope 
there's any hope in this world in which we live. Well, we'll reveal this evening from the word, the Bible, from God's own mind, that there will be peace on earth. God's kingdom will be upon this earth. The Lord Jesus Christ will return from his right hand to establish this kingdom. He will put down those enemies, those that don't really want peace upon this earth. And it's all part of God's glorious plan. And you, everybody, is invited. Everybody's invited to be part of this kingdom. Now I myself have just, uh, and my wife, were invited recently to a wedding. And what normally happens is an invitation comes through the door which tells you the date, the time and the venue of where this wedding is. And you have to reply to the parents so they can do the catering, they can get tables, how many people are going to attend the function. And once you accept the invitation that you're going to attend, you then start preparing yourselves, maybe buying clothes and all the time you're planning to attend the day. You might be doing things to make yourself look better, which will be difficult in my, uh, for me, unless I've got an iron on my face to get all the creases up, but never mind anyway. But you get an invitation and you reply back to the invitation. And yet, there's an invitation by God. It's totally different than this wedding invitation that I'm talking about. Because it's when the Lord Jesus Christ returns to establish his glorious kingdom, as we've said. There was another time when um, I was with my brother and we went to book a table for a meal. And we walked into this town and I walked into the restaurant. And as I opened the door to the restaurant, I said, whoa, whoa, excuse me, sir. I'm really, really sorry, but this is a private party. I'm really sorry. So it's fine. And as the door was locked, I just happened to look back. My brother started walking. I just happened to look back and stand outside and see all these people having a lovely meal, chatting between themselves. Some were laughing. And I just felt totally outside. And I thought, I'd been locked out of something. And it made me think about the time of Noah where the people should have been preparing themselves and the door was shut and they were outside, they were all killed in the flood and I felt the same thing, I thought I don't want to be locked out of this wedding invitation that's been offered to all of us that we can be in God's kingdom come to Matthew chapter 22 so it's still in the New Testament and Matthew chapter 22 and here we have a parable spoken by the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ speaks in parables, which has a message on the surface, but the more you dig down, there's deeper meanings. And we're going to look at the meaning of, of this parable that we're looking at. Matthew chapter 22, and uh, verse 1. And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables. And he said... The kingdom of heaven, which will be upon this earth, is like unto a certain king, which made a marriage for his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again, he sent other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, behold, I have prepared a dinner. I have my oxen and my fatlings, I have killed them all, and all things are now ready. Come to the marriage so there's the invitation but these people made light of it they went their own ways one to his farm another to his merchandise 
And the remnant took his servants, they entreated them spitefully, and they even slew them. But when the king therefore heard, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. Now that speaking there, which we could show you, of the children of Israel, how they're invited to the wedding, the marriage of the son with the ecclesia, the church. And yet they have turned their back on the father. He sent them prophets. They killed the prophets. So what he's saying is that is Israel were invited to the wedding. But look at verse 8. Then said he to his servants, the wedding is ready. But they which were bidden, my children Israel, are not worthy. So he says, go into the highways. And as many as you shall find, invite them to the marriage. So those servants went into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. Now this speaks of the Gentiles there and the refusal of, of Israel to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God. So he then offered the Gentiles to be invited to this wedding. But look closely then. There's a man then who's invited to the wedding who's not wearing the necessary clothes. Verse 11. And when the king came in to see the guest, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. So we have to be dressed in the appropriate manner to attend this wedding. And he said unto them, Friend, how comest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. He couldn't give an answer. I didn't know I had to dress in any special way. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. And that word there, for many are called, that word there actually means for many are invited, but few are chosen. So there we can see his refusal, the refusal of Israel to accept to the invitation to the wedding. We can see the invitation being extended to the Gentiles. But we can see also that you have to attend this wedding wearing, if you like, the right clothes. It's not necessarily the right clothes, but it's with the right state of mind and the right heart as we'll show as the talk um, goes on. So we've got an invitation by God here to attend the greatest wedding of all times. But firstly, it's a process. It's, if you like, it's a, it's a journey. We need to understand the word of God. We need to then repent we need then to be baptised. We need to believe in the saving name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in God the Father and in the kingdom to come. And then we need to live a life then which is pleasing to God following his commandments and his precepts. We need to understand about God and his promises with this earth. And what is required of each and every one of us. Because at the beginning of the Bible we could show that God made promises to Abram. And that was concerning his seed and the land and that he will give it to his people for an inheritance forever. Which obviously, as we can see now in the land of Israel, that is not the case. And these promises weren't just said to Abraham and then forgotten. They were said to Abraham, Isaac, to Jacob, to David. The Lord Jesus Christ reinforced these promises that God's kingdom will be upon this earth and that his seed and his people 
would inherit this land. If you come to Isaiah chapter 11, and we read those words in Numbers 14, didn't we, which our president read for us. And Isaiah 11, hundreds of years later, after the word Moses spoke, hundreds of years later, this man Isaiah, this prophet, spoke the same words. Isaiah chapter 11 and in verse uh, 9 there. And it says, They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall, it's a definite thing, shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So this earth will be filled with the knowledge of God. This earth will be filled with God's kingdom. You could probably put a marker in there because we're going to come back to uh, Isaiah chapter 11. But let's just go back into the New Testament and let's just go back to Matthew chapter 11. So we talked about people who uh, could be very worried, almost perplexed about the things that are going going on around them and what can I actually do about it? How can I, how can I actually save myself from things that are coming um, to pass look at verse uh, 28 of Matthew chapter 11 and Jesus says to the people come unto me all you that labour and are heavy laden and I will give, my, give you rest take my yoke upon me upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart and ye shall find rest unto your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now that seems really an odd thing for the Lord Jesus Christ. So, you know, all oh, you that have got burdens and, and that you're weighed down with all these things. Take my yoke upon you. The yoke's a big thing between two oxes. So it's almost like saying, put more weight on yourself. You're already burdened. But the Lord Jesus Christ says, no, if you take your, my yoke upon you, I will make your, your burden light. And he says, the yoke is learning of him. So by learning of the Lord Jesus Christ, rather than us being worried and perplexed and burdened with the things that are around us, we're actually lifted up. We've got hope in the things that are going to come upon the earth. It says, don't it? Blessed are they that hear the word of God and that keep it. But look at verse 27. Jesus says, all things are delivered unto me of my father no man knoweth the son but the father neither knoweth any man the father save the son but whomsoever the son the Lord Jesus Christ will reveal him and the Lord Jesus Christ revealed him through his teaching through his explanation of the prophecies through this word the Bible we can learn of the Lord Jesus Christ and of God the father so now let's go back to Isaiah chapter 11 again. <clears throat> so it's not only the time of the kingdom that a true believer will have, will have comfort. It's also in this time, now we will have comfort, that we know that God is in control of the things that are happening in the kingdom of men. <clears throat> chapter 11 and verse 1. And here's a prophecy where it says, There shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And again, we could show that this is speaking of 
the Lord Jesus Christ. But we've not time to cover that uh, this afternoon. But it says of the Lord Jesus Christ, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. He shall have wisdom. He will have understanding. The spirit of the counsel and might. He will have the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And he will make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. And the Lord Jesus Christ will not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears, but he will judge with righteousness. And he shall judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he will smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. Now I ask you the question now, do we know of any world leader or anybody who's going to be a leader who has these qualities of wisdom, of understanding, of righteousness and of dealing in a peaceful and merciful way? And the answer to that is no. There is no such man. But following this, in Isaiah chapter 11, we have this wonderful cameo of the kingdom age, a picture of peace. Verse 6. It says, The wolf shall lie down with the lamb. It's showing a picture that these two, that are normally the wolf will attack the lamb, will be no more. There'll be no more war. There'll be no more aggression between two people. The leopard shall lie down with the kid and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead them. It shows this picture of peace. The cow and the bear shall feed their young ones, shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. And the suckling child shall play on the hole of the asp. And the winged child shall put his hand on the cockatrice dead. So have this wonderful picture of peace. And things that we see now will be completely and utterly changed. But look at verse 11 now. And it will come to pass in that day. Now this day has actually been ordained by God. God knows that day, one day when he will send his son, that the Lord shall set his hand against the second time to recover the remnant of his people, which shall be left from Assyria and from Egypt and from Paphos and so on, from all the corners of the earth. And this is what he's done. He's gathered his people back to the land of Israel. Verse 12 he shall set up an ensign for the nation. He shall assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. And then it says, verse 15, The Lord shall utterly destroy the tongue of the Egyptian sea. And with his mighty winds shall he shake his hand over the river and shall smite it into seven streams and men may go over dry shod. And there shall be an highway for the remnant of his people which shall be left from Assyria like as it was to Israel in the day that he came up out of the land of Egypt as he went through the Red Sea but then verse chapter 12 it says and in that day, this day thou shalt say O Lord I will praise thee you were angry with me but your anger is turned away and thou comfortest me God is my salvation I will trust and be not afraid for the Lord Jehovah is my strength my song and my salvation therefore with joy shall you draw waters out of the wells of salvation and in that day shall you say praise the Lord call upon his name declare his doings among the people make mention that his name is excellent 
Sing unto the Lord, for he hath done excellent things. And this is known in all the earth. What wonderful picture there we have at this time when he comes to establish his kingdom upon this earth. So what will we be partakers of? What will be partakers of what? What wonderful promises? Let's just go to uh, Psalm uh, 2, if we could please. <clears throat> and these events are, are unfolding in front of our eyes. These promises that the things of this time of turmoil, where the Lord Jesus Christ will come to save his people from those that come against uh, Jerusalem. Psalm 2. And verses, uh, we read verses 1, 2 to 6. And it says, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? So why, why did they want to come against my people Israel? Why did they want to come against Jerusalem? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us break their bands, bands asunder and cast away their cause from us. But he that sitteth in the heavens, God shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in division. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath, and vex them in his sore displeasure. And he says, Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill Zion. The Lord has said unto thee, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. So he will establish his son as king upon the throne in Jerusalem. Now we could easily say, well, it's all white, it's all, you know, it's okay saying these things, but they could be your words. We could just be playing with words here. But the Bible is actually the word of God. If you come with me to Second Peter, Second Peter chapter one, to show that these are the words of God, and not the words of men that they've made up just to further their cause and in verse 19 2 Peter chapter 1 and it says there we have also a more sure word of prophecy now that more sure word of prophecy was the Lord Jesus Christ he was the one who was prophesied from the beginning that he would come upon the earth and that he would be killed and he would be resurrected but it says, whereunto you do well that you take heed. So you listen, you look at how he fulfilled prophecy. Because he was a light that shineth in a dark place. And do that until the day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts. And then it says, know this thirst, that no prophecy, nothing in the word of God, is of any private interpretation. Because the prophecy came not in all time by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke or wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. As they were moved by the power of God to write down what he wanted to be recorded. Second Timothy says that the Holy Scriptures are make, will make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. And that the word of God is good for correction, for reproof and for righteousness. So we have to become wise through faith. So that we can then be eligible to receive that invitation. 
Let's just go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. What is faith? And faith is believing in something that has never been upon this earth. People can't imagine that the things of this world will ever change. But they will. They will change. A man is fearful thinking, well, if they don't, what's going to happen? But they will change. Hebrews chapter 11. And it says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. And then it says, the evidence of things which have never been seen. So that's what we have faith in, that the kingdom will be upon this earth. And then it says, for the elders obtained a good report. And through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. So it's our belief. We know we have faith. It's in the word of God that all the things were created by God. And all the things that he says in his word that the kingdom will be upon the earth will come to pass. And it is faith in God's uh, promises. Come to Romans chapter, uh, Romans chapter 4 now. As we just uh, bring our talk to, to our conclusion. Romans chapter 4. And we talked about Abraham right back in the beginning getting the promises. So here now we're thousands of years later and we're talking here now about these promises. And it's in the New Testament and Romans chapter 4 and verse 18. And then he says, Who against hope believed in hope, Abraham, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken. And we said this, didn't we? So shall thy seed be. And be not weak in faith, because he truly believed. He considered not his own body now dead when he was in a hundred years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's room. So we know he had this promised child, Isaac. And he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. So it's this belief that we have been strong in faith, that the things that God has promised will come to pass, just like Abraham believed. And then he said he was fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able to perform. And because of this it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for Abraham's sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for you also, to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offences. So these promises weren't just given to Abraham. It wasn't that just Abraham was faithful. The promises, the invitation is to each and every one of us. And we have to have faith and believe in those uh, promises. Uh, just come now to Matthew uh, chapter 25. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 25 and verse 31. And he now see the Lord Jesus Christ coming in his glory, all the holy angels with him, and then he shall sit upon the throne of his glory, as we mentioned. And before him will be gathered all nations. He shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. So we had the man who wasn't dressed in the, in the correct wedding garments. He was divided. He shall set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. But then look, then shall the king say unto them, 
on his right hand come ye blessed of my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world so those that have taken up the invitation of God those who have got the right mind and those who have done the things that we're going to say next will inherit the kingdom of God forever so what do we need to do well we need to do the following steps we need to read, study understand the word of God once we've gained an understanding of the word of God we need to allow it to affect our lives so we need to search then we need to believe once we've got a belief and we truly believe it we then need to be baptised we need to be fully immersed once we've been baptised we then need to lead a life of faith which is pleasing to God we need to live a newness of life we need to be faithful people and then we need to be watchful as we await for the master's return now we could go to Isaiah 35 which you might want to do in your own time Isaiah 35 verses 1 to 10 which will give us another picture of the kingdom but I'd like to take us to Revelation chapter 22 and bearing in mind that at a wedding you have a groom and you have a bride the Lord Jesus Christ is the groom who is going to come back to be married to his bride and they will then dwell together forever on this earth and the bride is those believers those of the ecclesia Revelation chapter 22 and we'll conclude with this and he showed me a pure river of water of life clear as crystal proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb and in the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river was there the tree of life which bare twelve manner of fruits and yielded her fruits every month and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of nations language we've heard all the way through there shall be no more curse but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it and his servants shall serve him they will see his face and his name shall be in their foreheads there will be no night there they will need no candle neither light of the sun for the Lord God his glory will give them light and they shall reign for ever and ever and he said unto me these things are true and the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which will shortly be done but look at verse 14 blessed here's the invitation are they that do his commandments that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates of the city and then interestingly verse 17 and the spirit and the bride say come and let him that heareth saying come and let him that is a thirst come and whosoever will let him take the water of life freely so I suggest there's an invitation there for us all an invitation where we have to take action that we have to reply to the invitation that God has given to us that we can be with him and have eternal life in his glorious kingdom by following the steps that we've mentioned this afternoon thank you we hope you enjoyed that talk for more downloads information about what we believe and details of our meeting times go to our website ormskirkchristadelphians.org dot uk